Section 32 of An Essay Concerning Human Understanding Book 2 by John Locke This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Chad Horner Chapter 33 of the Association of Ideas Section 1 There is scarce anyone that does not observe something that seems odd to him and is in itself really extravagant in the opinions reasonings and actions of other men the least flaw of this kind if at all different from his own every one is quick-sighted enough to espy in another and will by the authority of reason forwardly condemn though he be guilty of much greater unreasonableness in his own tenets and conduct which he never perceives and will very hardly if at all be convinced of section two this proceeds not wholly from self-love though that has often a great hand in it men of fair minds and not given up to overweening of self-flattery are frequently guilty of it and in many cases one with amazement hears the arguings and is astonished at the obstinacy of a worthy man who yields not to the evidence of reason though laid before him as clear as daylight section three this sort of unreasonableness is usually imputed to education and prejudice and for the most part truly enough though that reaches not the bottom of the disease nor shows distinctly enough whence it rises or wherein it lies education is often rightly assigned for the cause and prejudice is a good general name for the thing itself but yet i think he ought to look a little farther who would trace this sort of madness to the root it springs from and so explain it as to show whence this flaw has its original in very sombre and rational minds and wherein it consists section four i shall be pardoned for calling it by so harsh a name as madness when it is considered that opposition to reason deserves that name and is really madness and there is scarce a man so free from it but that if he should always on all occasions argue or do as in some cases he constantly does would not be thought fitter for bedlam than civil conversation i do not here mean when he is under the power of any unruly passion but in the steady calm course of his life that which will yet more apologize for this harsh name and ungrateful imputation on the greatest part of mankind is that inquiring a little by the by into the nature of madness b two c six section thirteen i find it to spring from the very same root and to depend on the very same cause we are here speaking of this consideration of the thing itself at a time when i thought not the least on the subject which i am now treating of suggests it to me and if this be a weakness to which all men are so liable if this be a taint which so universally infects mankind the greater care should be taken to lay it open under its due name thereby to excite the greater care in its prevention and cure section five some of our ideas have a natural correspondence and connection one with another 
It is the office and excellency of our reason to trace these and hold them together in that union and correspondence which is founded in their peculiar beings. Besides this, there is another connection of ideas wholly owing to chance or custom. Ideas that in themselves are not all of kin come to be so united in some men's minds that it is very hard to separate them. They always keep in company, and the one no sooner at any time comes into the understanding. But its associate appears with it. And if they are more than two which are thus united, the whole gang, always inseparable, show themselves together. Section 6 This strong combination of ideas, not allied by nature, the mind makes in itself either voluntarily or by chance, and hence it comes in different men to be very different, according to their different inclinations, education, interests, etc. Custom settles habits of thinking in the understanding, as well as of determining in the will, and of motions in the body, all which seems to be but trains of motion in the animal spirits, which once set a-going, continue in the same steps they have been used to, which, by often trending, are worn into a smooth path, and the motion in it becomes easy, and as it were natural. As far as we can comprehend thinking, thus ideas seem to be produced in our minds, or if they are not, this may serve to explain their following one another in an habitual train, when once they are put into their track, as well as it does to explain such motions of the body. A musician used to any tune will find that let it but once begin in his head, the ideas of the several notes of it will follow one another orderly in his understanding, without any care or attention, as regularly as his fingers move orderly over the keys of the organ to play out the tune he has begun, though his unattentive thoughts be elsewhere a wondering whether the natural cause of these ideas as well as of that regular dancing of his fingers be the motion of his animal spirits i will not determine how probable soever by this instance it appears to be so but this may help us a little to conceive of intellectual habits and of the tying together of ideas section seven that there are such associations of them made by custom in the minds of most men i think nobody will question who has well considered himself or others and to this perhaps might be justly attributed most of the sympathies and antipathies observable in men which work as strongly and produce as regular effects as if they were natural and are therefore called so though they at first had no other original but the accidental connection of two ideas which either the strength of the first impression or future indulgence so united that they always afterwards keep company together in that man's mind as if they were but one idea i say most of the antipathies i do not say all for some of them are truly natural depend upon our original constitution and are born with us but a great part of those which are counted natural would have been known to be from unheeded 
though perhaps early impressions or wanton fancies at first which would have been acknowledged the original of them if they had been warily observed a grown person surfeiting with honey no sinner hears the name of it but his fancy immediately carries sickness and qualms to his stomach and he cannot bear the very idea of it other ideas of dislike and sickness and vomiting presently accompanying it and he is disturbed but he knows from whence to date this weakness and can tell how he got this indisposition had this happened to him by an overdose of honey when a child all the same effects would have followed but the cause would have been mistaken and the antipathy counted natural section eight i mention this not out of any great necessity there is in this present argument to distinguish nicely between natural and acquired antipathies but i take notice of it for another purpose namely that those who have children or the charge of their education would think it worth their while diligently to watch and carefully to prevent the undue connection of ideas in the minds of young people this is the time most susceptible of lasting impressions and though those relating to the health of the body are by discreet people minded and fenced against yet i am apt to doubt that those which relate more peculiarly to the mind and terminate in the understanding or passions have been much less heeded than the thing deserves nay those relating purely to the understanding have as i suspect been by most men wholly overlooked section nine this wrong connection in our minds of ideas in themselves loose and independent of one another has such an influence and is of so great force to set us awry in our actions as well moral as natural passions reasonings and notions themselves that perhaps there is not any one thing that deserves more to be looked after section ten the ideas of goblins and sprites really no more to do with darkness than light yet let but a foolish maid inculcate these often on the mind of a child and raise them there together possibly he shall never be able to separate them again so long as he lives but darkness shall ever afterwards bring with it those frightful ideas and they shall be so joined that he can no more bear the one than the other section eleven a man receives a sensible injury from another thinks on the man and that action over and over and by ruminating on them strongly or much in his mind so cements those two ideas together that he makes them almost one never thinks on the man but the pain and displeasure he suffered comes into his mind with it so that he scarce distinguishes them but has as much an aversion for the one as the other thus hatreds are often begotten from slight and innocent occasions and quarrels propagated and continued in the world section twelve a man has suffered pain or sickness in any place he saw his friend die in such a room though these have in nature nothing to do with one another yet when the idea of the place occurs to his mind it brings the impression being once made that of the pain and displeasure with it he confines them in his mind and can as little bear the one as the other section thirteen 
when this combination is settled and while it lasts it is not in the power of reason to help us and relieve us from the effects of it ideas in our minds when they are there will operate according to their natures and circumstances and here we see the cause why time cures certain affections which reason though in the right and allowed to be so has not power over nor is able against them to prevail with those who are apt to hearken to it in other cases the death of a child that was the daily delight of his mother's eyes and joy of her soul rends from her heart the whole comfort of her life and gives her all the torment imaginable use the consolations of reason in this case and you were as good preach ease to one on the rack and hope to allay by rational discourses the pain of his joints tearing asunder till time has by disuse separated the sense of that enjoyment and its loss from the idea of the child returning to her memory all representations though ever so reasonable are in vain and therefore some in whom the union between these ideas is never dissolved spend their lives in mourning and carry an incurable sorrow to their graves section fourteen a friend of mine knew one perfectly cured of badness by a very harsh and offensive operation the gentleman who was thus recovered with great sense of gratitude and acknowledgment owned the cure all his life after as the greatest obligation he could have received but whatever gratitude and reason suggested to him he could never bear the sight of the operator that image brought back with it the idea of that agony which he suffered from his hands which was too mighty and, intoler and intolerable for him to endure section fifteen many children imputing the pain they endured at school to their books they were corrected for so join those ideas together that a book becomes their aversion and they are never reconciled to the study and use of them all their lives after and thus reading becomes a torment to them which otherwise possibly they might have made the great pleasure of their lives there are rooms convenient enough that some men cannot study in and fashions of vessels which though ever so clean and commodious they cannot drink out of and that by reason of some accidental ideas which are annexed to them and make them offensive and who is there that hath not observed some man to flag at the appearance or in the company of some certain person not otherwise superior to him but because having once on some occasion got the ascendant the idea of authority and distance goes along with that of the person and he that has been thus subjected is not able to separate them section sixteen instances of this kind are so plentiful everywhere that if i add one more it is only for the pleasant oddness of it it is of a young gentleman who having learnt to dance and that to great perfection there happened to stand an old trunk in the room where he learnt the idea of this remarkable piece of household stuff had so mixed itself with the turns and steps of all his dances that though in that chamber he could dance excellently well yet it was only whilst that trunk was there nor could he perform well in any other place 
unless that or some such other trunk had its due position in the room if this story shall be suspected to be dressed up with some comical circumstances a little beyond precise nature i answer for myself that i had it some years since from a very sombre and worthy man upon his own knowledge as i report it and i dare say there are very few inquisitive persons who read this who have not met with accounts if not examples of this nature that may parallel or at least justify this section seventeen intellectual habits and defects this way contracted are not less frequent and powerful though less observed let the ideas of being and matter be strongly joined either by education or much thought whilst these are still combined in the mind what notions what reasonings will there be about separate spirits let custom from the very childhood have joined figure and shape to the idea of god and what absurdities will that mind be liable to about the deity let the idea of infallibility be inseparably joined to any person and these two constantly together possess the mind and then one body in two places at once shall unexamined be swallowed for a certain truth by an implicit faith whenever that imagined infallible person dictates and demands assent without inquiry section eighteen some such wrong and unnatural combinations of ideas will be found to establish the irreconcilable opposition between different sects of philosophy and religion for we cannot imagine every one of their followers to impose wilfully on himself and knowingly refuse truth offered by plain reason interest though it does a great deal in the case yet cannot be thought to work whole societies of men to so universal a perverseness as that every one of them to a man should knowingly maintain falsehood some at least must be allowed to do what all pretend to i e to pursue truth sincerely and therefore there must be something that blinds their understandings and makes them not see the falsehood of what they embrace for real truth that which thus captivates their reasons and leads men of sincerity blindfold from common sense will when examined be found to be what we are speaking of some independent ideas of no alliance to one another are by education custom and the constant din of their party so coupled in their minds that they always appear there together and they can no more separate them in their thoughts than if there were but one idea and they operate as if they were so this gives sense to jargon demonstration to absurdities and consistencies to nonsense and is the foundation of the greatest i had almost said of all the errors in the world or if it does not reach so far it is at least the most dangerous one since so far as it obtains it hinders men from seeing and examining when two things in themselves disjoined appear to the sight constantly united if the eye sees these things riveted which are loose where will you begin to rectify the mistakes that follow in two ideas that they have been accustomed so to join in their minds as to substitute one for the other and as i am apt to think often without perceiving it themselves this whilst they are under the deceit of it makes them incapable of conviction and they applaud themselves as zealous champions for truth 
when indeed they are contending for error and the confusion of two different ideas which a customary connection of them in their minds hath to them made in effect but one fills their heads with false views and their reasonings with false consequences section nineteen having thus given an account of the original sorts and extent of our ideas with several other considerations about these i know not whether i may say instruments or materials of our knowledge the method i at first propose to myself would now require that i should immediately proceed to show what use the understanding makes of them and what knowledge we have by them this was that which in the first general view i had of this subject was all that i thought i should have to do but upon a nearer approach i find that there is so close a connection between ideas and words that our abstract ideas and general words have so constant a relation one to another that it is impossible to speak clearly and distinctly of our knowledge which all consists in propositions without considering first the nature use and signification of language which therefore must be the business of the next book end of section thirty two recording by chad horner end of an essay concerning human understanding book two by john locke